the wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Out to Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. All right, coming up, we'll get a uh, preview of the Georgia Bulldogs, who will be the center of attention at SEC Media Days Day 2 at the Grand Hyatt Hotel in downtown Nashville. Auburn will be there. Mississippi State will be there. I guess Hugh Freeze will get some run today. But it's going to be all Georgia all the time. They've only won back-to-back national championships and are the program everyone is chasing now in college football. Was Alabama. Clemson got there with them and hit the mountaintop, and they slipped back a little bit. Now Georgia has come through and taken Georgia or Alabama off their post as the team to beat in the SEC and around the country. We'll uh, get an update on that. Also, Buck wanted to play this because uh, you know we sometimes you'll get coaches calling out other coaches specifically. We had Jimbo Fisher v. Nick Saban last year. That was pretty good. But I had missed this because you know Big Twelve media days were last week and we had Wednesday and Thursday coverage and Texas went on Wednesday and then our crew came back and Oklahoma was part of of uh, Thursday's coverage. Picked to finish third in the conference. Uh, we played Tim Weiberg, right? Tim Wise Guy, the guy talking about Oklahoma was an unwilling bride in the right. move, and Texas is you know, just trying to cover themselves. Don't they'd rather lose to Florida and Alabama than K State and Iowa State? Well, uh, how about this though? This is Brett Venables, whose team went six and seven last year. And remember, they were zero and three, or three and zero, so they went three and seven in their last ten games. They were not good, um, and his defense was specifically bad. But he was doing a show on the ref up there at Big Twelve Media Days, and here he is. Uh, you hear the question, but then, you know, his way of doing things versus I think is where he talks about Deion Sanders and Deion's way of, you know, letting people go. Here's Brett Venables a little bit from Big 12 Football Media Days last week. Brett, you know, despite six and seven, yeah. the recruiting class tells a different narrative. Is that a reflection of despite what six and seven shows last year that yeah, people, kids I mean, are still buying look, into look, what you're selling? Yeah, that's good, you know. And there's lots of ways you can be six and seven. None of it's any good, um, right? But if had we been, you know, had we gotten blown out by a Middle Tennessee, right? Had we gotten beat by Florida State, forty-five to three, right? You know, the conversation's probably a little different. Is that it? All right. So he went on to say uh, that unlike Deion Sanders, he said, "I gave guys twelve months of grace." Unlike Dion, I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. He, he says he's he goes there's 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 three things we have to do: go to class, live right off the field. When you show up, show up with respect and appreciation with your opportunity. If you go in three for the first 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we helped guys, uh, we helped 21 guys, give or take, find a fresh start. So if they couldn't live up to the three expectations, they were cut loose. Uh, but you know he felt like his way of going about it was you know he, and he said Dion handed out a bunch of pink slips. Uh, we gave the players a chance to prove whether they were going to live up to our three expectations or not, and you don't. You, you'll rarely hear a coach call out a, another coach like that, but uh, you kind of expect it because there are going to be a lot of coaches that are sour on how Deion Sanders came in and said you're sure. just not good enough and cut it loose. What are your thoughts on that, coach? Well, that, uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, to give give a kid an opportunity, and 
he's going to build his program from the from the bottom up. Dion is trying to change change something in in too quick. It's just too quick to do that and not not give a kid an opportunity to grow. You know, well, and I'd say this for for both sides of that argument. Um, you know, Deion Sanders did inherit a team that went one and eleven a year ago. Yes, and if you look at the numbers, Joel Klatt gave a good rundown of this that they did, they weren't even competitive in any game. I mean, they lost by an average of like nineteen or twenty points a game to this, bad teams. Yeah, to bad teams. I mean, this is a really bad team. So Dion's like, well, there's no one we're saving here. Uh, you know, this team is really bad. I've watched watched them on tape. You watched them in the spring game and talked about how small they were. And like a pop Warner you know, team. Did Brett Fenables come into Oklahoma with some attrition? Uh, sure. I mean, no doubt about that. But at the same time, it's still Oklahoma, and they had their those players were better than what Deion Sanders walked into. Oh, right? no doubt. Those players had a higher level of oh, for of, sure. Of four star, three star. Lincoln Riley recruited them, uh, and yes. So Brett Venables, you could argue, did the right thing by saying, "Okay, who's going to prove it to him? You know, these are the three things we expect. We'll let you. We'll give you that that time of grace, and you can prove to us that you belong within our culture." And the twenty one guys or so that didn't. They couldn't live up to those expectations. We helped, we helped find them a new place. Uh, so that's Brett Venable's way. But, again, Venable's inherited a better team than Deion Sanders did. You could argue that Deion Sanders is right to say, what are we doing? Y'all, you can't play at this level the way I want you to play, so we're going to start over, and good luck. Uh, we'll help you find new places, but that's going to be the way. Uh, Venable's, and they went 6-7. and seven. And you'd also say that he was a big part of that, that his coaching didn't maximize those players. Uh, you know, we'll see. This is a big year for Brett Venable's. Oh, it is because still, even though they've had you know a couple of tough luck seasons at Oklahoma, their recruiting is still pretty high ranked. I mean, they're all, they've been in the top fifteen and the top ten in recruiting, yeah. even when they're not doing well because it's Oklahoma. Well, and they have the easy schedule we've talked about. I mean, they've sure. given a favor by the Big Twelve, not having to play you know three or four of the top teams in the preseason poll in the Big Twelve. And as we said with with Oklahoma, the Buck, they're the the, the highest preseason ranked true road game that they will play this year is against Oklahoma State at Stillwater. And they're picked to finish 7th in a 14-team conference. They play Texas on a neutral site in what is now called the Red River Rivalry, brought to you by Allstate. Allstate-Red River Rivalry. And they're, the other game on the road that they play against a top-five team in the Big 12 is TCU, and that's at home. So their only true road game that they play is at Oklahoma State. They're ranked 7th. They're picked to finish 7th, and they're a lot at question marks at Oak State. So the schedule fit, lines up for them to as, as we had uh, Tyler McComas tell us last week, if they don't win double-digit games with that schedule, even at Oklahoma that still has some holes, that's unacceptable at Oklahoma. And that's the expectation right now for Brett Venables. Who, I well, I, I guess I'm, I'm way too, you know, I, I, I'd rather bring a kid up and try to say, you know what, I'll do a better job coaching. That's what I'll do. I'll help you become a better player. Well, Dion, I mean, take a different – Yeah, and he's not going to apologize just for it. No. No, and he's not going to, and he doesn't really have to. That's up to him. His program will tell the difference, but along the way, there are going to be a lot of kids that will get hurt along the way too. That it's not, it won't be just about football. What what will happen with them? So, but he's in the business. Dion is in the business of winning games. E, that's that's what his business is right now. But I think there's more to it than winning games. All right, in well, that business. Let's switch gears because. Uh, the Stetson-Bennett era is over at Georgia, but there's still a lot of talent at the Georgia Bulldogs. Who replaces him at quarterback is a big question, but a ton of talent. Two times the national champs. And look who is on the uh, Vaqueros hotline. He is the Georgia Bulldogs writer for the Austin, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, also dogpost.com, our friend Dylan Weber. Dylan, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you all? Doing fantastic, Dylan. Hey, Dylan, uh, going into the 2023 season, 
you know, obviously they've won back-to-back national titles, and two years ago the expectation was championship or bust with that defense that, you know, played as good as any defense in the last 20 years in college football with Stetson Bennett on offense last year, a little more balanced, and again a national championship. How do you look at this roster, strengths and weaknesses compared to those other two? How good are they in comparison? It's weird because you look and you see some huge people coming back. you got Brock Bowers, who is a tight end, but is maybe one of the best receivers in the country. You have Georgia's top three leading tacklers coming back. Um, but like you said, you lose Stetson Bennett, um, who has just been the heart and soul of this team now for two years. Um, off the field, you know, in the booth, you lose Todd Monken, who's been one of the best offensive play callers in the country. Um, and, you know, Mike Bobo has a lot of experience, but I think a lot of Georgia fans would tell you their, their skepticism from the past. Um, so, but I mean, if you just get down to the basics of it, I think the D line is weaker. You lose Jalen Carter, um, and obviously the quarterback's weaker. But everywhere else, you got a lot of really talented players coming back. Yeah, wow. it's pretty good. It's just still pretty, pretty good in the secondary and at the linebacker position, Dylan. And the woes me part about Georgia probably is the defensive line. It's not like the NFL, like it's been over the last two years. I mean, that's that's just a bunch of NFL players. But still, they've got to have some guys that have got a lot of snaps. When you have a, when you over the last two years, when you have a record like you have, a lot of guys get an opportunity to play because you're generally crushing teams. So guys that, on other teams that are just trying to win games, you know they have to continue to play their starters. But at Georgia, a lot of your second and third string guys get an opportunity to play some games and big games too. And again, too, these are guys that you know you go to a smaller school. They go to play at Missouri. They're going to be playing as freshmen. Right. They don't get the opportunity until they're, they're juniors. So a guy like Nazir Stackhouse, who didn't really play in big moments necessarily, but got to play in big games later in it. Um, Michael Williams, a, another great guy who, um, you know, had really highly recruited players who, you know, just been sitting behind people like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. No question. Uh, tell about, talk about the quarterback battle. That'll obviously at Big 12, uh, Big 12, SEC media days today. That'll be the big question. You have Carson Beck, who most see as the front runner, uh, working as the number two option last year, the Florida native, uh, big-time arm, big-time talent. And then there's Brock Vandegrift, who uh, also will be competing and did through the summer. And Gunnar Stockton, is this Carson Beck's job to lose, or, or has he already won it? I, I don't want to speak prematurely here because, you know, Kirby would never give a straight answer on that. But it, it really does seem like it's Carson Beck's job that he'll be the starter day one. But I think the leash is going to be short. Um, you know, we don't really know as much. You know, we were talking about guys who get a lot of opportunities on the defensive line. But Carson Beck, over these past few years, hasn't really had a lot of chances to, to really play meaningful snaps. Um, and so, you know, the coaches love him because he's been around. He knows the system. Um, and he's a reliable guy, but you know if he doesn't perform early, he's got two guys with extreme talent behind him. And Brock Vandergrift and Gunnar Stockton, both players who could probably get out of the pocket a little bit better, throw on the run um, a little easier. But it'll be it'll be Carson's job to at the start of the season. It seems like. Carson Beck, the name to watch mm. there, replacing the two-time national champion Stetson Bennett, as you called him, the heart and soul of that team uh, on offense and so many big plays and throws and moments that he's had through these two runs. Um, and then, so so let's let's start with Brock Bowers. How good is he? I mean, Georgia's had some incredible players. We know that. Gosh, you go all the way back to Herschel Walker. Uh, this guy is a preseason All-American. He's a tight end, but they use him in so many different ways. What makes him such a devastating player to deal with for a defensive coordinator? 
It's weird. I mean, everyone calls him a tight end, and, and honestly, I don't know what to call him. Um, I mean, he's probably more of a receiver, but then they also give him jet sweeps. Um, I mean, he does everything. I, there's literally no human who can cover him effectively that I have seen at least. You know, I'm sure there are some out there, but um, would love to see that matchup finally come someday. Uh, in the backfield, um, he'll beat you on the edge. Uh, you know, when you put him one-on-one, if you just give him a jump ball, he'll make you sit down. It's, it's truly incredible. I mean, he's probably one of the best college football players I've ever gotten to see with my eyes. Well, he is a true weapon. He's the best weapon right now in college football because, as you said, there's, there's all kinds of ways to use a guy like that. And I think what, 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 you do, what you do see is not what you don't see about him that you don't know about him. Guy has exceptional speed for a guy his size. And, and he's got great flexibility in his body. His lower body's pretty flexible, too. He's got, he's got those loose hips like a running back for a guy that big. And also just has some of the best hands in the country. I mean, I, are there, besides maybe his blocking, um, you know, I wouldn't say he's the most effective blocker for a tight end, but, I mean, now I'm getting really nitpicky on a guy like sure. him. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the speed. When, you, when he gets in a straight line, he's mm-hmm. probably one of the fastest players in the country. Yeah, six foot two thirty out of Napa Valley, California. That coast to coast recruiting that uh, that uh, Kirby Smart does, and uh, you know Kirby Smart is now sitting on top of college football. Uh, you have Todd. You might you mentioned Mike Bobo. Todd Monken is off to run the offense for the Baltimore Ravens. His job is now to get the most out of Lamar Jackson at the NFL level. Uh, Monken, you know, it's funny that in, in Baltimore they kind of criticize that because Monken hasn't had great success at the NFL level, but he did have great success at Georgia with the offense. Mike Bobo comes in, a former Georgia quarterback. Uh, what, well, you said there's skepticism among the fan base. What are the issues that, that fans ahead of time have with, with Bobo? Well, I think there was just some big games in the past because he was the offensive coordinator for Georgia um, back during the Aaron Murray days. And those teams kind of came up consistently just short of, um, you know, what the fans had hoped. And, you know, I think when you look back now at the success that he had, it doesn't look as bad, but, you know, when you talk to Georgia fans who were kind of living in that moment, I think there was a lot of frustration with him then. And then kind of after his time at uh, Georgia, he goes to Colorado State, um, flames out there. He goes to South Carolina to be the offensive coordinator there with uh, Muschamp at the time, and, and that didn't work out well. So, you know, it's it's been a while since he's been leading a really successful offense, but I think, again, when you look back at, at what he did at Georgia, it looks better than it did maybe in the moment. Dylan, what would they do at running back? I mean, there's always there's always some freshman that comes out of nowhere out of high school that's ready to play as a freshman at Georgia, or there's a young, you know, sophomore or freshman that are, that are I mean, not freshman, but maybe a sophomore that's been around for a year. You don't know a lot about them. But uh, how about the running back position, I mean, as a whole this year? So what they've done in the past, and, you know, they could always change this up, especially with Bobo coming in, but they love to have their, their two main guys, mm-hmm. one who's kind of the, the bell cow. He gets all, most of the handoffs, and he's running straight up the middle, taking the hit. It seems like that's going to be uh, Dijon Edwards. Um, he was there last year, their second leader rusher, a, a great player. Um, and then they like to have a more um, dynamic running back in the backfield. In the past, that's been guys like DeAndre Swift, right. uh, Sony Michelle. And this year it seems like that's going to be Kendall Milton, who a former five-star, who's had battled some injury issues, but out of the backfield going wide, um, catching the ball out of the backfield is, is a really great player. And if they can stay, if he can stay healthy, might be the best running back in that room. Uh, 
Uh, he is Dylan Weber. We're talking Georgia football because they are the center of attention today at SEC Media Days in Nashville, the two-time defending champions. It's weird to say that they have seven defensive starters returning, but they lost Jalen Carter, Re- Keely Ringo, uh, Nolan Smith, Christopher Smith, all these guys of the NFL draft, but they still bring back seven guys uh, off of that defense. Uh, Will Muschamp is still there as the co-DC, our you know, former coach here, uh, working with Kirby Smart. Uh, you just expect that it's going to be a lockdown defense. Who are the who are the star players to watch on that side of the ball? Um, certainly, Small Mondon um, Jr. Uh, just again, he was the leading tackler last year. A, a great player. Um, Jamon Dumars Johnson, uh, another baller at the linebacker position. Those guys are going to be absolute killers this season. Um, and then Malachi Starks, probably their best defensive back. He'll be a sophomore this year. Um, I mean, was a phenomenal player um, as a freshman and you really hope to see him make that jump this year all right looking forward to seeing the georgia bulldogs this year now there have been some off-field reporting about issues in the program we know that the jalen carter story got national headlines ahead of the draft and you know his maturity or, or lack thereof what is what is your read on all the negativity that's kind of swirling around the program is there something to that or is there uh you know or does, or does kirby smart have have a, have work to do, or is this just you know a, a program that's on a super high that everybody's looking for looking for issues? I mean, I think there's probably a little bit of both. I think when you lay down everything on the table, um, all the incidents of speeding uh, this season, or you know, over the the past couple of years, it doesn't look great um, altogether. But um, when something like that comes to light, it's hard to just kind of let go. Um, and you know, knowing Kirby Smart. Um, it's something that he'll obviously address because, like he said, uh, a lot of people are going to want to bring this program down. Um, and, and just to let it go off the, the wayside now, um, it's not really an option for him. And so I think you'll see some some really major adjustments now that this is not only um, a Georgia story, but a, really a national story. Yeah, I mean, the head coach doesn't want all this this national attention. I mean, it's, you know, you've got opportunity to three-peat, and that's, that's going to be hard enough, I mean, to, to keep everybody's focus although you have an incredible culture of winning. I mean, that's a part of it. But the focus of the players now going into this third year, I mean, you know, and there'll be some guys in there that'll think, well, this is just automatic because of who we are. I mean, I, I got to believe Coach Smart would like to spend his time making sure his team understands what it takes to win and not some of these distractions off the field. For sure. And the resources that, that they bring in, people that they bring in to talk to the program, right? I'm sure that they've they've – um, brought in a lot of former players, former coaches, just kind of within the, the Georgia Bulldog community um, to talk to them about really the opportunity that they have on hand here. Because back-to-back is, um, I mean, incredible. I don't want to take anything away from it, but, um, you know, there's only been a team about a, about a team a decade to do it, but a three-peat would be something of, of a whole different tier. Man, we appreciate it. Good stuff. Looking forward to SEC Media Days today. Kirby Smart's... Uh, appearance there as the two-time you know national champion coach uh, he is the Georgia Bulldogs writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution and dogpost.com d-a-w-g post.com Dylan Weber Dylan thanks buddy thank you Aaron Bucky I appreciate it all right there you go there's a good overview that's going to be the uh the conversation also just saw at the athletic.com that uh, former Texas A&M DB Smoke Bowie is not on the Georgia roster he had transferred through the portal from A&M to Georgia but he's not on the roster as media days start today, so I'm sure that'll be addressed. What's up, Smoke? What's up, Smoke? And, you know, I was thinking about it when he was talking about you know, people trying to bring the program down. Georgia is the first program to be on a high like this, a potential dynastic run in the era of name, image, and likeness, right? 
I mean, can you imagine the Miami teams if they had NIL? Like Cat- they, they did. They did. <laughs> they but I'm did. talking about in real time. Or the USC team that Texas beat. I mean, where you actually have the ability to make money and no one can say anything about it. I mean, it's just a lot of young men to try to keep in a yes, straight line. It just it's, it is. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult as a parent. So it's difficult when you get somebody else's kids and you're you're in charge of well. And now they eighty can some kids legally make money. Yeah. So they're they're putting they and you know after two national championships and all the you don't wins, think their heads are you don't think their heads are full yeah, of everything. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's a challenge for Kirby Smart. I mean, it's not to say that. USC players weren't getting some inducements and getting some things. But this is – I just think about that. Can you imagine the USC team with Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, and those guys in NIL in Los Angeles, which is what they're hoping for right now at USC with Caleb Williams and all Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to some of the things that Kirby Smart has said about this deal with speeding and stuff. And, I mean, I, I just – some of it you got to just be real, Coach. I mean, you just got to gotta try your best. You, we understand that guys are going to do that – but when you start talking about, oh, they make cars faster now and all that, I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. Dude, that, that's not that, – that's not – that's just – that's way past coach speak there. They're making these cars faster. Kids want to race. I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – Grab it's, some one of your guys by the scruff of the neck and say no. I mean, but they have had a lot of people come in here and talk to them about just the, the simple – you know, they sure. had a lot of law enforcement come in and, and talk about that. But when the head coach is talking about they make cars faster, I'm like – Kirby, I didn't hear that quote. That's, Come on, dude. We can do better than that. But yes, yeah. you have to you have to discourage it to say the least. And, Absolutely, you got to keep it doing it. And it's on and on and on. You can't. It just can't stop. Well, and that's going to be the question. I mean, Kirby has certainly removed all doubters that he could get get it to the mountaintop. Then how do you keep it? And I think, like no other, it might be the hardest because of, of the name, image, and likeness. And these guys are making more and more opportunities. And uh, you know, kids, kids that age, they're and still now, kids. You're absolutely right. A lot of winning, and now they're being you know and making money and all this stuff, that, that gets to more and more challenging to get them to fall in line. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough job. And so, and to Kirby me, Smart's that's the, I mean, it. even though you have a great, you know, you got that great culture there of great recruits, great players, it's how do you keep that, how do you keep that going? The edge. How, how yeah. does, how, how, what? The poison cheese is yeah, next saving culture, Well, yeah, maybe, right? maybe three years you've got a couple guys with big heads, you know, three of them on your team. Next thing you know, he, you go out your second championship, you've got 12 guys like this. That's right. And, that and you festers. can't have all of that. Right, and that's what Nick Saban has talked about through his dynastic run of we got to fight complacency. I mean, you guys that are on this team has done nothing. <laughs> the team that won the national championship, most of, a lot of those guys are gone, and they're playing in the NFL. You're Just because you're wearing the Georgia jersey, there was a lot sure. of work that went into winning those that's championships. Right. If you're and not it willing, takes a lot to continue to do and that. And if you're not willing to maintain that standard, we'll slide backwards. And that's... You know, I think it happened for Mac Brown here at Texas, and I, I, you know Nick Saban has been the best at fighting against the the c word, uh, and that's complacency, uh, and and you know, new guys not picking up the bar and keeping it where it was, uh, but that's the challenge Kirby Smart now faces. All right, we'll hear him at uh, SEC Media Days today, along with Auburn, Mississippi State, and their new head coach, and Vanderbilt will be the four teams in Nashville today. We're coming back. B and E on the horn. It's Bucky and Aaron. Good stuff on a Tuesday. Appreciate uh, the Georgia conversation, SEC Media Days. Greg Sankey, uh, the commissioner, made it clear yesterday, as we talked about earlier, that uh, he is in favor of, and actually says the sport needs, federal NIL guidelines. Federal, a unified, across-the-board uh, set of rules in place that uh, everyone can follow. Uh, he was 
very critical and openly. Greg Sankey was of the new law that went into effect in Texas in July, House Bill 2804. He actually said uh, and pulled no punches. He said the newly signed bill uh, is said that it, the student athletes deserve something better than a race to the bottom at the state legislature level. State laws like the new bill in Texas are an ongoing problem that they, we have identified as the exact wrong way to go about permitting student-athletes to engage in name, image, and likeness activity. So, And it bears mentioning that, uh, according to the current situation, Texas, University of Texas is not, has not changed their rules as far as linking the Lawhorn Foundation to and the loyalty points that come with that to name, image, and likeness yet. Uh, they can. It's within the law. Right. But they have stuck with... If you don't have to donate to the Lawhorn Foundation, you get the loyalty points. They have not linked that to the Texas One Fund yet. Texas A&M is taking advantage of the new law. Their 12th Man Plus Fund does allow Aggie donors to earn loyalty points for NIL donations. So, uh, so That's the question I asked about Jimbo. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's the answer. Well, A&M is going there, and that obviously is daring the NCAA to do something about it. Uh, Texas is not. They've followed the guidelines at least to this point. Uh, and obviously the commissioner of the co- the conference who's saying, wait a second, I'm about to have two schools in that state. One's already changing their rules to give themselves a competitive edge. I've got 13 other schools. Texas hasn't gone there, but there are other 12 schools that don't have that opportunity that um, you know their states have not gone there. And we don't, instead of having each state have different rules, we do need mm-hmm. federal, as much as no one wants the federal government getting involved in this, there really is no other entity that can step in and do that. Uh, yeah, because even if we hired more than just the, the commissioner of the league and he had his own committee, I mean, is it federally, are you able to do those things? You can't regulate I mean, prices and what a guy can do. Legal it. fights coming. Yeah, that's 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 too much because they've already been in the legal fights. You know, I asked the question about Jimbo Fisher. There, There is, you know, we always got things about Jimbo that don't seem to be so good, but the guy has to be, to do what he's done in recruiting and to have the kind of, record that he has there's something that he does really really well i don't i don't know if he's he's more of a, a, a an in-home guy that really relates to 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 families you know brothers sisters moms and dads because there's something that guy does good for a guy who who doesn't win you know so i i mean is he is he a character is he a funny guy is he because i don't think most coaches think he's a funny guy i don't think nick saban thinks he's a class clown you know what kind of personality well, he character has? Character for sure, but he's you know, because he has been—he's a fantastic recruiter. He has, yeah. He's a, he's a charismatic guy. He fits the culture of A and M. There's no doubt about that. His southern drawl and his his love for cowboy boots in East Texas mm-hmm. and all those things. There's no question. But it's about performance. I mean, it's about delivering a team that can win consistently and compete with the top teams. He hadn't that, delivered. No, I mean that's what you've hired the guy for is to. You know, elevate the program to be on par with the best. At least that was the that was the the reason for signing him and hiring him to a ten year contract right. and seventy five right. million dollars. It was to, you know, you took Florida State to the mountaintop. We want to be at the mountaintop, and you know he's got a national championship. He's eight and two in bowl games, but you know last year's five and seven year and a fifth year going into six. It's just, I mean, you're going the wrong direction instead of improving. And not just did you not Yeah, look he's good. got heat on him this year. Oh, my gosh. Not just did you not look good on the field. You had all kinds of off-field issues going right. on. I mean, you had, you know, it was yeah, not you good. you had structural breakdowns within your program. Yep. Well, and that's the concern. Now, look, I mean, we, we, we followed and covered closely Tom Herman here, right? Tom Herman never lost a bowl game. 
Tombo Herman. Uh, there was a time as he got here that it looked like he was building to something big with you know the year Sam Ellinger and company went to Sugar Bowl and beat Georgia, and the we're back, and, man, this thing's heading in a good direction, and it fell apart from But that. you could almost see him being the guy who undercut his own program. Yeah, well, because he, he couldn't build relationships with people. He couldn't didn't get along with his boss, Delos, er, Delos, uh, Chris Del Conte. He didn't get along with his coaches at times. He The locker room abandoned him. Obviously, the big money boosters didn't like him, because and then his recruiting relationships fell apart. Remember, when, when Tom Herman started to slide, it was Quinn Ewers had been committed, then he decommitted. Brock, the Brockermeyer brothers said, no way, uh, we're not playing for that guy. Uh, and yeah, there that was program. a bunch of little talented, there were some talented yeah. guys that said, no, thank you. Well, I mean, think, I mean, the biggest indictment may have been, I mean, the Quinn Ewers was the biggest national headline, but the Brockermeyers, who were legacies, who had a brother playing in the program, saying, no way. Was Garrett Wilson at that time, too, but he wasn't oh. coming anyway. But well, for, still. for the same reasons, he was just not good in that role, and uh, yeah, that's a huge part of the role. I mean, I mean, we'll see if Sark can win, but he he's, he's shown he can build things, relationships. Yes. Yes, We've he shown has. he connects with people. We've shown he, you know, is kind of a magnetic guy that people radiate and gravitate to. Jimbo Fisher, look, Jimbo Fisher in the COVID year went nine and one, right? And they were second out there in the West, and it looked like it was building kind of like Tom Herman. Well, then the next year was 8-4. and four, But remember, they beat Alabama that year, so that made everything better. Yes, it did. And then last year it slid to 5-7. and seven. There's an argument that it's, it's kind of taken that Tom Herman role where, man, it looked like it was rising, and then when it starts to slide, it gets really ugly. And obviously Tom Herman had to deal with the, uh, the Eyes of Texas conversation, and the, it was the COVID year, it was the um, you know, racial injustice year, and all that went on there. And clearly Tom Herman didn't handle it very well, all of those things, uh, because he got at odds with everybody after that. Uh, But I do think the biggest issue was the recruiting, the recruiting relationships, the relationships with the high school coaches that were fizzling. And, you know, but Jimbo Fisher, to your point, he hasn't stopped recruiting. Oh, no, he's, yeah. He still seems to be pretty well liked among the establishment at A&M. But at this point, it's about winning. At this point, it's about you know, you look like you were building something good. You haven't had a losing season. You, well, when you start deteriorating from the inside out in your football right. program and guys are standing in the boys' room, puff, puff, pass, pass, that's, that's a little different. Well, the 9-1 and one COVID year, it felt like, okay, we're, we're about to go compete with the big boys. We're about to go there. Well, you've gone 8-4 and four and 5-7 and seven in, the pre- in the next two years. And this is why this year is so important that, you know, we get this thing – because you're getting further away from Georgia, not right. closer to Georgia. That's true. And in one year, can we hear that Brian Kelly piece of audio again? Here's Brian Kelly, uh, the the LSU coach, who's by the way the Aggies beat LSU last year. We were reminded of that earlier in this in the in a conversation like this. But they beat them. But it was LSU who played in the SEC championship game. It was LSU who exceeded expectations in year one. And here's Brian Kelly yesterday at SEC Media Day saying, "You know, we're not we're not quite there yet." but we feel like we're heading in a good direction to challenge the Georgias and Alabamas of this conference. I know that based upon how we've recruited and how we'll continue to recruit, um, that we'll have um, a football roster that, that will be able to compete against Georgia. Is that right now? No, it's not. But if we continue to do what we're doing, we're going to have a roster that can compete against Georgia, and then it's just a matter of getting it done on, on, the, on the playing field so everybody then can assess they've closed the gap. Pretty realistic talk right there. Well, and, you know. Okay. We're not there. We're, they, we're recruiting well, but well, we're not there. That's right. 
Uh, but we'll see with Jimbo. I mean, somebody says he tells folk tales and sells mm-hmm. pipe dreams like no other. This guy says it has very little to do with Jimbo E. The Aggies are money whipping these kids right now. Well, that's what Nick Saban said. Point blank. That's true. Bought their recruiting class. Uh, and, and again, that's, uh, you know, you kind of wonder. You, what, well, you can't win that way, E. If, you gotta, if you're money whipping everybody and you're not building your culture, that's, right. you're not going to. You're gonna, you're gonna. Some guys are gonna be very happy. Other guys are not gonna be happy. And plus, you're not gonna have the discipline that you're looking for. Well, and I think there's there's an argument that if that's true, right? And if the because there are reports and a lot of a lot of conversations that the Aggies were really good about setting up their NILs early. Yeah, and I'm saying if that's true, I don't know. I'm. I'm well, it not, seems to be. Well, because look, if here's where I see him from Jimbo Fisher as a guy who's being told what to do with his program. He, they're recruiting for him with these uh, collectives, and they're the ones out. Is it him actually connecting with that player, or, or is, it, is the it the money, money con- that con- is getting them yeah, in? Yeah, well, that's which that's is going to lead to problems. And, and now, is it him who felt like we needed to hire Bobby Petrino, or was it others telling him, "Hey, we need to hire Bobby Petrino"? Is and, the money doing all the talking? And he seems hesitant to let other people tell him what to do in his program. You hired me, you know, let me run the program. And you know, this is the whole thing with Petrino yesterday. Asked again, who's going to call the plays? And he kind of stumbled through it and. You know, we're not going to share that. And we, he, we, we, well, Bobby Petrino and I have been friends for a long time. This will. Well, as many people like for you to go ahead and say, yeah, Jimbo, he will be calling the plays. Yeah, That's yeah. what they're looking for you to do. It's like the cooks in the kitchen, right? There are too many people that have a say on how the, how the A&M program is going to run. And Jimbo Fisher says the right things that, that were good. But at the same time, his actions would, and his words True. would tell you that, you know, maybe he's, uh, he's not real happy that they're telling him. And I, I, know, I know he didn't like being told that he had to hire Hire an offense oh, coordinator. No. I mean, Jimbo Fisher, as long as he's been a coach, he was the offense coordinator for Nick Saban when he, they were winning at That's LSU. Right. He, he went to play coach for Bobby Bowden where he ran the offense. He and, believes he does it pretty well. Yeah. And that's he has an ego. And you're pay, what are you paying me $70, $90 million for? I don't need an offensive coordinator. I need you to get out of my way. Get out of the way. <laughs> hey, man, get your popcorn Get out. out of the way, the rest of you Aggies. I can take this. Let Jimbo take the wheel. It's interesting how Brian Kelly can turn that Cajun accent on and off. Now, it was so fake when he first got there, but, you know, the more you live in a place, the more you start to We're all fine, pick we? up the, di- the, the, the dialect a little yes. bit. Now, I mean, look, the SEC is so fascinating. There's, there's, the storylines are really good. You know, what is LSU? Was last year surprise party? Can they build on 9-4? and four? Uh, they beat Purdue like 60 to nothing in the bowl game, so they finished strong. they got a quarterback coming back who's really good. Harold Perkins is Mine really is good. Mine is more of what is Tennessee. Well, that's right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's multiple storylines that are of intrigue. What about Billy Napier in year two without Anthony Richardson at Florida? What about you know Alabama? I mean, Texas plays Alabama week two, but you know, they got new coordinators on both sides. They're replacing Bryce Young and, and um, Will Anderson, the first and third picks of the NFL draft. I mean, they're – they're they're going there, right? So they, yeah, my deal is can you walk into that place in Tuscaloosa and make that your home? This is our home. Yeah, t- that's yeah. hard to do. Tommy Reese is now running the offense, coming in from Notre Dame. So it's there's a lot. There's a lot. Hugh Freeze is now at Auburn, taking over there uh, from the Brian Harson mess. Can Sam Pittman take Arkansas another step? Because um, it looks like he's got that there's thing going Joey in a good Freshwater. direction. Hey man, Ole Miss, Joey Come Freshwater now. doing his thing. Right time, Joey Freshwater's still there. Let's not let's not forget about him. Better watch out for your girlfriends <laughs> on their old miss. Hey now, hottie, toddy, boombalati. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, you know the only thing that seems certain is Georgia. But then we just talked to the guy from Georgia, and they're not big. They're not sold on Mike Bobo. 
who's been there before and didn't live up to expectations calling plays. they got a lot of guys to replace, and there's talk that maybe the the culture's getting a little bit away from Kirby Smart, that guys are a little, you know, a little renegade, and maybe there's some complacency setting in. Um, did, Jimbo, did Kirby Smart really say that, that their cars are faster these days? Yeah. So that's why we have all kinds of speeding tickets? Things are, things are changing. <laughs> Kids like to race. I mean, really? I'll give, uh, Didn't they have somebody die? Uh, yeah, they did. A young lady and a young man, an offensive lineman, and uh, a staffer killed in a drag racing incident. No, I mean, it's uh, you got to get back control of that. And uh, also, I'll give this to Steve Sarkeesian. The hope is the win comes. This is a all-gas-no-excuses all no season. There haven't been a lot of off-field issues. I mean, I'm sure there's been some that we haven't heard about. Uh, that just is, happens when you got 100 kids on a roster. But that's right. There have not been – they seem to be a team that's united and playing for one another and um, in this for the, for the right reasons. i got a feeling they police themselves pretty well, which is a sign of a – that's a, a good, good sign, yeah. I think the sign of a good team is the the limited number of players who transferred, the number of guys who could have left that came back to be a part of where it's going. I mean, these are all you – know, we're in Austin, Texas, so it's going to sound homerish. But really, I mean, when you consider guys – I mean, the, it was they were like five for five. I mean, Christian Jones could have gone to the NFL draft and been a day three pick and started his NFL career. He's back because he's believing in Kyle Flood and the development he's getting as an offensive lineman who looks the part and just mm-hmm. needs to continue to develop. Uh, Tavondre Sweat could have gone off to the NFL uh, and followed Keandre Coburn and Amor Ojimo. He came back. Jalen Ford, coming off of the season he had, could have struck while the iron is hot and entered into the NFL draft. Jordan Whittington could have struck, could have gone after it, didn't. I mean, these are all guys that are back, and they not only are they back, Buck, they come back for a specific reason. And how about this? When everybody's talking about the SEC like we're doing today, those guys are saying, look, I haven't even played in the Big 12 title game, y'all. I don't care about the SEC. I'm back here to try to win the Big 12. Uh, in my last year and do something we haven't done. And that's what you're hearing from Jordan Whittington. He's not talking about the SEC. He's talking about this is my last year. I'll never play a game in the SEC. I want to win the Big 12. Uh, Christian Jones, the right tackle, is the only player on this roster that has played in the Big 12 title game. He was on the team when they played Oklahoma in 2018. So, you know, these guys are, are back and back for a good reason because this is probably their last year. Can they finish with a championship? And this is why I think you're hearing Steve Sarkeesian use the terms like team on a mission. Like, and that, his confidence is coming from them, that they are the ones, as you said, policing and themselves. Should, that's right. And they're talented. And, you know, importantly, Quinn yours seems like he's grown up a lot and looks like he's ready to, to lead this thing and, and be the, the guy running the show on thought offense. He, I so. thought he looked the part uh, up at media days. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he took every question on head on and said this. I mean, he, he actually looked the part of a quarterback sure. who's ready to do things and he wants it. I mean, I said yesterday with Zay, I said, you know what? He wants it on his shoulders. Last year, they put it on his shoulders. He didn't need to have that on his shoulders. He had, they had a good run game. They should have been more relying on the run game and some of these dink and dunks instead of these bombs. But I think he wants it on his shoulders. Now, he, he has a different well, he'll look have to about prove that. him. He'll have to prove that, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we've said this many times. The, the ceiling of this team is dependent on the maturity of the head coach. Mm-hmm. Maturity meaning becoming a better fourth-quarter coach, becoming right. more and more – resilient, and finding ways to win football games. That's right, win some games. And the maturity of your quarterback. I mean, if those two things are answered in affirmative, there's there's no reason they can't win the Big 12 championship. And that defense has to stay consistent. I mean, it yeah. can't be the same. It has to be even better. 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 Yep. better. Uh, all right, there you go. There's some football talk. We'll get a quick timeout, come back. We will tell you what's coming up on Light the Tower with Craig and Jeff and the crew. Part of a busy day here on the Horn. It's a Tuesday on 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. We stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. It's Bucky and Aaron. Okay, so 
somebody said, hey, which the horn would return to have consolidated golf picks for the four majors used to bid the winners a huge prize. Well, you know, that was our promotions department. They do the uh, fantasy golf contest now, which is uh, up and running. It's a different thing. Not as, you know, we used to do our own. It was only us, though. It was only yeah. our show that did that. And uh, now everyone can participate, all the shows, and it's powered by Callahan's General Store, and you pick nine golfers. And, uh, you know, yeah, we, we used to – but guess who used to – we used to have, get like a thousand of those things. Guess who had to That's grade right. them? Guess who had to grade them all? You did. Yeah. I had to go through because I would just get emails with four golfers on it. I'm the one that had to, you know, piece it all together. That would take several hours on a Sunday night once I found out who won the damn thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're not doing that anymore because the computer keeps score now. I don't have to do that. Because we would get a lot of those entries, and we appreciate people who participate. It's the last biggie. This is it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Roy McIlroy has to be a favorite. There's no doubt about that. He played super great in uh, Scotland. He's got to be carrying a ton of momentum after coming off that 18th green. Here, Ty, here's a loser. Vander, Xander Shoffley. How's that? How's him it? this year? What about Rosie? Paired with uh, Rom and Rory. First hey Ooh, Rosie, yeah. I know you like that. I do like that. About Rom, Rom's kind uh, of he hasn't been playing as well. I know, but it's still the year. It's still the Open Championship. The guys who, I mean, yeah, that's true. He hadn't been. He's yeah, it's, but it's time get, for him. He's still a great player, and that you know, you find it for a couple rounds, you can be right in the mix of this thing. But make those picks because today is Tuesday. You know, it starts overnight Wednesday. So if you wait, trying to wait till Thursday morning, you're gonna be too late. So oh, make Thursday them. morning, Harold Varner the Thursday will be ready to go. You gotta get on the live guy. He's <laughs> just doing. He's out of Akron, Ohio, just doing it for money. He tells you what he's doing it God for. God love him. Trey. Me too. Just doing it for money. Well, Scheffler. I don't know, man. Brooksy. Brooksy Kepka. About Jordan Spieth. About Jordan Spieth. He's won the Open Championship. It's another guy that won't be there. Tony. All right. Well, go make your picks. Hornfm.com. It's brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Coming next, it's Light the Tower with uh, Craig Way, who's in the house. He'll be talking about his Dodgers with that uh, big home run. Grand Slam last night. They beat the Orioles. We got good baseball. Rays and Rangers tonight. Be checking that out. Astros are in Colorado. Let's get the Yankees back on track, please. We get some outs late in the game for crying out loud in New York. Aaron Boone, you guys are on pick of the night. New York Yankees. Yankees over Angels. It'll be late tonight out in Anaheim. Pick of the night. There you go. Pick O the night. Plus, SEC Media Days will feature Georgia. There'll be a lot of Georgia talk tomorrow. We had some good Georgia talk today. Hey, Buck, uh, are you with uh, Zay again today? I'm with Zay today. All right, Bucky and Zay two coming your way through the midday. Two a days for the Buck who needs a nap. Uh, i got a busy day myself. Ty is through the glass, and he's cranking it out as well. Uh, light the tower. They'll light it up coming with Jeff and Craig and Cam Parker. Every hour of this show, if you missed it this morning, podcast at hornfm.com.